0: What did you have for breakfast today?
1: Breakfast, I had uh, some... Is this the start? Yeah. Not even hello. Man, <laughs> all right. I had... Uh, this is
0: our sound check.
1: That's hectic. All right. I had porridge uh, and and porridge, I don't do porridge like most people, you know, like fucking golden syrup, heaps of sugar, diabetes, your life up, right? <laughs> what I do, and I do not even use the stove, man, like straight up disrespect to my mouth. I get the oats and I put them in a bowl and then I pour enough milk in like it's some cornflakes, and yeah. then I put it in the microwave for two minutes and then I eat it like I'm eating gruel in prison <laughs> and that's how I start my day every morning.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Neural Media. Neural Media is an effortless and affordable content production service. We help businesses save time and money by taking away the pain of producing content. If you want to grow your audience through content production, head to neural.com slash media. That's dot com slash media. Create a quote and request a callback from me personally. If you want to learn more about the benefits of growing your audience, download our free series on how to create content at the bottom of neural.com/slash media. Listeners to this podcast receive a special 10% discount by using the promo code Uncommon. Welcome to Uncommon, the podcast that helps you build your knowledge, skills, and mindset through interviews with unique individuals. My name is Jordan Michaelides, the CEO of Neural Media, and your host. In this episode, I have for you Lewis Spears. Lewis is a stand-up comic, YouTuber, co-host of Luke and Lewis on Fox 101.9, the host of Spearhead Sundays, and an all-round internet shit-stirrer. If I was to pick just one comic from the bunch of up-and-coming internet comedians, Lewis would probably most typify that sort of mischievous, trickster, court-jester-style archetype you see through movies and society and stories in many different ways he was first known for his face beef escapades uh, but he's he's regularly since then proven the media is sort of all too willing to publish first and embarrassingly fact check later and I think this contempt for authority the willingness to challenge things is It's saying that holds Lewis in good stead and has helped us all sit back, maybe think a bit deeper about the information we're often receiving and forcing you to take ownership of the sources that maybe you hold in too high a regard. And to me, he's one of the hardest working personalities in this business, waking up early, working like an absolute dog, then doing it all over again, six days a week, nonstop. And I think his mateship with fellow comic Luke Kidgel is clearly a major driver in both of their success, whether it's pushing each other to be better at what they're doing or joining to create media brands like The Luke and Lewis Show. And I think this, is, this was really confirmed to me in my mind when uh, Lewis recently published a piece of satire called What Firing a Comedian for Old Jokes Is Like. And I thought that was just unbelievably good and I, I all recommend you go check that out. Uh, this is a great discussion, we cover a lot, including Warhammer and hobbies, how we got into radio, why he never drank alcohol, uh, Facebook, face beef, sorry, and pranking the media, comedic principles and process, leaders and comics that inspire him as well. So I think this would be very enjoyable for those who've liked our previous interviews with the crew that are in comedy and culture, like Neil, Friendly, Friendly, Ge- Friendly Geordies and so forth. If you like this, do consider subscribing on your podcast app. We've got a lot more there for you. And in future, I think the month ahead, it's all comedy at this stage. But, you know, if you've got a friend as well who would enjoy these sort of interviews, do share it with them. If you want something similar, episode 27 or or 88 rather uh, with Neil Kohatkar was brilliant. Very similar comic, I feel, in terms of the way that they poke fun at culture and politics. So have a look at that. Uh, if you want the show notes, you can just head to neuralcom slash media, which is n e u r a w dot com slash media. You'll find all your show notes, all your links, everything in that spot there. Uh, but look, as I say each week, thank you so much for listening, our regulars for coming back as usual, our newbies for giving us a shot. I hope you all enjoy this conversation with
1: Lewis Spears. Lewis. Thank you for joining me. No worries, man. I'm happy to be here. I'm in a good mood today. Yeah. Is it hot in here? No, Are it's hot? not hot. No? It's kind of hot outside, oh, it but is. I was I was walking around in a leather jacket. I was... Uh, like fr- a school shooter, so <laughs> maybe that's just my outfit rather than the sun.
0: Now, I had a very good array of um, icebreakers to start you off with. Yeah. But after a little chat with Luke, I thought I'd settle on Warhammer.
1: Okay, fuck yeah, dude. See, that's what's good about having a mate that knows you back to front. Exactly. Is, is fuck icebreakers, right? If you did a trust fall, I'd let you drop and have a concussion. But if you want to talk to me about plastic toy soldiers, you know, you know this is going to be the podcast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my bro- Me and my brother used to be
0: really... I had a period of like three, four months when I was about 15. I really liked Warhammer.
1: I think everyone did.
0: I really liked the stories behind it. Mm. And I've sort of realized that as I've gotten older is is the stories of things that are what get me excited because I moved straight away onto another thing. Yeah. But um, he really, he was into it for like two, three years, but he, I think he got bored with how much money was spent.
1: Well, I've I've been into it my whole life, but since I was 12. 12 probably maybe even younger ever since i walked into the store i would have been younger than 12 i would have been like eight or nine right when i saw him just because i used to go to the shopping center all the time with mum, and that was i was like fucking toy soldiers and guns that's cool southland right yeah and chadston as well like i went to um yeah i was i've always been into it but i i've, I've only just now hit a point in my life where i can afford to actually take part yeah. And read the books, buy the paints, buy the miniatures, the bu- the brushes. There's so much. It's an expensive hobby, but fuck, it's rewarding. Especially because there's we're so with the digital age. There's not if you're not into sport. There's not many physical hobbies left. Like hmm. touching. Not that's not a screen.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. There's
1: reading, or there's art.
0: Bonsai and, cards, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, like that. That's kind of, kind uh, of it.
0: Yeah, pottery. I can think of pottery is like the new hipster thing.
1: Mm, well, I put that under art. Like, if you're not, ah, if you're not okay, okay, like okay. making art or fucking building a car, what do you actually do when you're not looking at a fucking screen? <laughs> no, like, what what is it about it that you love? Is it
0: is it the fact that it's a hobby and like you? We were speaking before, and it seems like you got a pretty hectic schedule these days. Yeah. Is it that escapism, or or when you were that when you first started off, was it something else entirely?
1: Uh, well, initially, it's just cool. It's like it basically quick background on Warhammer is Warhammer forty thousand. It's in the year forty thousand. It's science fiction, uh, and it's just eternal war. Humanity's being beset by demons, aliens, humans who worship demons, all this kind of shit. So it's just war. There's no hope. It's all grim, dark, right? Uh, and what appeals to me about it is uh, is the background and the story. Because I, I loved history when I was growing up, but what always frustrated me about history is you could read two books about the same period of time, about the same guy, book on Hitler, right? And those two books, even though they cover the same time period, they'll both say, Hitler did this because he thought that. But they don't know, and they're saying the opposite of each other. Hmm. What I love about the background of, like, Warhammer and stuff is I'm reading like a 10,000 year period uh, of war. And it's like, imagine a history book, but you're actually inside the brain of the guy making the decisions. Yeah. That's what I like about it. It's 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 quite amazing. I've always
0: loved that form of escapism. I, and
1: are it's, you yeah, es- it's another world. And it also, it's it's just I get to fucking pull out paints and glue, and just be away from screens, which is my life. And how many hours a week would you get to spend on it? Well, I, uh, I I do it when I can. So this morning I did it for about forty minutes before I came here. Oh, really? So I just I got up, I ate my gruel, I went to the gym, I had forty minutes, so I whipped out the paints. Okay. And uh, painted a bit of orange, and then uh, and then I came here. There's something really uh, uh, like I respect a lot of you comedians. You all
0: have. You're all very hard workers, but you all have like a hobby of some, like you know what I mean. Like you're sort of well-rounded in that regard. Like most most comedians portray themselves as all fucked up, and maybe they they've had their issues over their lives. But
1: um, I would say a lot of I hear all the time comedians are fucked up, or or comedians are some is the most like it's some of the most depressed people in the world, and I would say only the unsuccessful ones yeah there's obviously you know people doing really well that are depressed as fuck like you know robin williams or whatever but i would say on the whole the happiest people i've met in this business are the ones who are doing really well not at the expense of others either Mm. the happiest and the nicest the the saddest and the most bitter people i've met in this industry are people who aren't doing very well and instead of blaming their own ability or work ethic, which is more often the case than ability, they blame bloody internet comedians. <laughs>
0: well, this is the thing: is what what I've found so fascinating is you guys are so different to the old guard because you you weren't. It's not that comedians were gifted a certain something; it's that you've had to work exceptionally hard to get where you are because the yeah. mainstream may not have has may not have been as accepting.
1: Oh, not accepting at all. Yeah. Like, uh, I have a job in radio now. Yeah. But fuck, that was so hard. And we got told explicitly, no, go away because of what you do online. Mm. The only reason we got this job is because some guy right at the top took a risk. Um, and, and yeah, I think that the, the old media thing and especially trying to progress in radio, I like to think we're pretty good at radio. Like, we're getting there. Um, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good we are because the dude in the suit in the office decides whether or not we have a show. Yeah. Whereas the internet, I, th- I view that as the... I think the internet in terms of comedy is one of the, the most merit-based things oh, that yeah. there is. Yeah. It's like, if you're funny, you'll shine. If you suck, you won't. Yeah. And because, you know, it's like who... Who who really worked harder? The person who who did a good audition and got picked by someone because they knew this person and they paid their dues and they would sucked the right dicks, or the guy who just started making videos for no one and is now selling out shit from people deciding to watch them.
0: Well, the th- the th- you're so right about that because with things like YouTube, there's no commitment and consistency oh. principle required for. Any old Joe watching on YouTube, but for yeah. the executive there is because they've got to... If they choose you, they've got to make it work. Yeah. You know, th- yeah. it's just a human trait that they they have to do that. And only when it gets too hard mm. will they finally turf you out.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: h- how did that come
1: about, the whole radio thing? Uh, it's a bit of a... Uh, well, it's not really a long story. So, basically, I... I, when I was younger, I loved radio. I loved listening to it and I just I just think I loved comedy and, and mm. radio was the most, the easiest place for me to get it before there was like the internet and YouTube and shit like that. So, I always listened to radio and I loved it and then I thought I wanted to do it and then I was, and then I eventually figured out, no, I want to do stand-up and then I started doing that as well as the online thing which started a bit before stand-up. Uh, And then we just met radio producers from doing interviews and stuff. So, I just had people in my phone and then uh, I met Luke at at a gig. And when he was in, maybe, I think he might have been doing stand-up for two weeks or so. And we just got along and I kind of saw him. I've been doing it for a couple of years. I was up to my second, just about to do my second tour when we met. Okay. And I, I, I met him and I was like, oh, yeah, this guy works hard. So I just kind of watched him for a little bit, and then he was working hard. He always showed up and all that kind of stuff, and we started to become friends. Uh, and then I got him to support me on tour, and then we just we just hung out every fucking day for, for years, and we became best mates, and uh, and equals, you know, which is great. Um, and then we'd just been friends. And then we were like, oh, what can we do together? You know, what's the thing that we want to do? He he loved radio. He grew up listening to Hamish and Andy. And uh, And we were kind of talking about it. We had podcasts. We didn't really want to start another podcast. We had the online thing. We we knew we wanted because we didn't want to be seen as a duo online because we we want to do stand-up. Mm. And I want to be Lewis Spears. He wants to be Luke Kidgel. And when you see the show, it's Luke's show. It's Lewis's show. It's not a not our show you know we're not on stage together so we knew we wanted to remain separate in them in the main thing that we do but we wanted to collaborate on a new project and then we kind of got to like what about radio you know radio Hmm. or a tv show could try that and then uh so we just recorded a demo tape which was just us sitting in a room pretending that we're on radio uh we talked, it was shit. <laughs> we talked about how I don't like to mix fonts when I wear clothes. So, if I have something written on my t-shirt in a font I'd, and I have a hat, it either has to be the same font or no words. <laughs> Mixing fonts fucks my life, right? So, we talked about that and then we sent it off to a radio producer that I had uh, done an interview with. Um, during face beef days, and uh, and when we did that interview, uh, he texted me afterwards years ago. He was like, Hey man, this was great, uh, you have a lot of potential. Send me a text when you're done doing all of this awful bullshit online. Mm. And I read that and I thought, Well, I'll never be done with that because I love to be a cunt, so whatever, that's fine. Um, but then we had this demo tape, and I was like, Oh, I know one guy in radio, so I texted to him. And he had to listen. Oh, no, I emailed it to him and he had to listen. And he goes, hey, boys, this is amazing. uh, But I just Googled Lewis. No, (laughs) no way. Not touching you. You're still doing that stuff. We're not going to do it. And I was like, well, I'm never going to change what I do online or what I say on stage. So, that's fine. We'll work on something else. And then two days later, the producer that we emailed, his boss who's in charge of two radio stations, emailed us. And he was like, hey, boys, I love it. Come in for a meeting. Went wow. in for a meeting. End of the meeting, we had a show. Wow. And it, it all it took was was the guy who had the balls to be like, eh, I'll roll the dice. And what was on the tape? It was just you guys just riffing like you were on it. Like, what Man, did you do just, to prepare for it? Nothing. Uh, yeah. I mean, we kind of Googled we we just googled like what's a how do you submit a like how do you try how do you get a radio show and people like demo tapes and luke had done a little bit of community radio so he kind of knew the format which was like three to four minutes of banter and then go to a song or go to an ad so we just recorded like three different talk breaks three to four minutes and we sent it to the guy he told us to fuck off his boss said come in and and uh, now we're on Sunday nights on Fox. That is
0: fascinating. So he's telling you to fuck off. What's what's going through his mind? Maybe there was a team
1: meeting where they spoke about a new ideas. Like no, I think that I think that uh, that he just saw that and he was like, I don't need to take a risk. And this could just, I think it was just a fairly legitimate thing. And we—we've when we got in the building, that, that guy who told us no at the start. Super helpful. Helped us get heaps better at radio. Mm. I just don't think he was in the position to take the risk. Yeah. The risk being, what if Lewis is trolling? What if we give them a show and the news sees something that, that uh. Luke or Lewis has done online? And then all of a sudden Fox presenter says this. Because I think he knew that we wouldn't change Especially me. Yeah. Yeah. It's what I was really nervous about. That's, that's when I, and then, you know, we had the show and we were like, great, that's awesome. But in the back of my mind, I was like, what if they want me to change? What if tomorrow I do my normal thing and then they go in and they go, hey, why did you say this? And I said, well, because I've been fucking doing it for the last three, four years and that's why I'm in the building.
0: Well, it's a a legitimate concern. I know I've listened to podcasts with, um, Joe Mm. Rogan and uh, Dan Carlin, Hardcore History, brilliant podcast Mm -hmm. where he speaks about this. The years that he spent in radio, you get these producers, executives who try to shape you into something that, you know, is what they want. And I remember he said, he, they asked him to say something about fucking goats. That's weird. Very weird. I I can't, I remember it was on Joe Rogan's podcast. He spoke about this. Or something like that. Something yeah. sort of ridiculous and like this would be a great jingle for an advertising campaign. And he's he thought, no way, no way, I'm not doing it. And they eventually yeah. conned him into doing it. He did it and either he did it and it sort of ruined his radio career or he quit and he never went into radio again yeah. because it was going to, ru- you know, he'd become known as the goat fucker in town or, yeah, yeah. or whatever city he was working yeah. in. So, that to me sort of highlights that point
1: um well what was what was really surprising about uh about radio and i'm still to this day waiting for it we haven't been told once to tone it down we've never been told to change we haven't been told to do anything other than legitimate constructive criticism on how to get better at the craft of radio i think we were brought we were brought in a radio from being in it uh If they don't foster new talent that do shit differently, they're fucked. In 10 years, when, when Husey, Will Anderson, Kyle and Jackie O, all of the people that are like capable and truly good at doing drive and breakfast radio, every single one of them is 40 something. And they are all thinking, is this my last year? They're all making millions. They've all got their house. They have their kids. They have money. They're all thinking about their retirement plan and what happens when they quit Mm. and the talent are thinking that but the radio business is not 10 years down the line when all of these people who are currently amazing at radio and the big radio stars have finished and wrapped up who the fuck replaces them well Will there be a need to replace them? And that's another thing: is like if they don't, if they don't foster new talent and young people who understand how the internet works and who understand how to get other young people interested in radio, whatever form radio may be in the next ten years, uh, they won't last. And I think we got in at a really good time where they went, "Oh shit!" Hamish and Andy left their show, and we had to poach. Husey and Kate from a rival network and bring them here because we had no one with the skill or the draw power to replace them. That would have been fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's
0: it's this fascinating thing because I find radio, obviously, it's dwindling, but I still find it to be, I don't know, this this thing that people enjoy. You know, the the yeah. mainstream still quite enjoys radio mm. because-
1: that's the main transmission they have on their car I well think- it is i've been thinking because i never when i grew up i started to hate radio because i don't really i don't like music i don't like the music i don't like the ads mm. but from being in it and understanding i the, the appeal is it's just there and exactly. and you don't have to think because because even sometimes as of someone who doesn't listen to radio ever sometimes you know i'm like well what fucking podcast do I feel like listening to? What Spotify playlist? What audio book? What am mm. I going to... You know, sometimes I feel like, oh, I wish something was just fucking on and there yeah. all the time. The, and, the selection and, makes it hard. Yeah. And also, there's other things like people like to know what music is popular. People genuinely love pop music. Like there's there's like, you know, pop music gets a fucking <laughs> bad rap from most people. But end of the day, it's popular music. Yeah. That's why it's called pop most people quite enjoy it even if it's a guilty pleasure there's a reason why those are the highest earning most popular artists in the world cuz people like listening to it
0: yeah yeah i think one thing radio does well is they they know how to market mm. they know how to go to market but um there's there's a lot of other things that you're doing and i want to i want to touch on a lot of that um you mentioned before about the start of your career yeah so We'll get into Facebook beef in a little bit, but I'm just curious as to what was sort of the first moment you realized you were funny.
1: I th- I've, I actually thought about this the other day. I think the first moment I realized I was funny would have been when I would have been when I was like 6 or 7 and the news was on and they were, you know, I didn't understand what they were talking about. I was a child but I knew it was really serious. It was a dude in a suit and he was, this is the fucking news and blah, blah, blah. blah. And I would, and mum would watch it and I would stand in front of the TV and I would move my mouth in time with the guy and she would piss herself because it's just so stupid and ridiculous that, you know, I'm turning the news silly and it's her son and I was moving my mouth and acting really serious and mum would piss herself. I think that was when I was like, fuck, making people laugh is great. (laughs) I was just making my mum laugh. That was... That was awesome.
0: Yeah, you get this amazing feeling from it.:
1: yeah, it was it was like a rush, and then I, I would always and then you know I just fucking overdid it, and she was like, "All right, he's still doing it. <laughs> Every time the news is on, Lewis is doing this thing and I'm not, and then I'd be like, "Ah, fuck, I'm not getting a little the laugh anymore and and before before you got into like really started
0: getting into comedy, would would you experiment at all? like were there plays that you
1: did Were there attempts at stand up or yeah, anything Yeah for like- sure I mean in sc- in school primary school especially I was a fucking menace because it was <laughs> uh, my two my two loves still to this day are making funny and and disobeying the rules and disrespecting authority those are my main passions like in high school to me there was nothing funnier than vandalism so funny like dude i can't even understand i reckon the hardest i've ever laughed and this is horrible and it's a bad thing and you shouldn't do it but i did it and i fucking laughed the hardest i ever laughed was watching after a house party when i was 18 my friend we were walking home 3 a.m everyone was pissed except me because i don't drink The hardest I've ever laughed was watching my friend jump on top of an Audi, walk from the boot to the roof, jump off the roof onto the rear vision mirror, break it off and run. I fucking pissed myself. And that is an objectively wrong thing. But still (laughs) to this day, fuck, it was a good laugh.
0: I think though when you're a teen, sort of any form of, um, I mean, particularly if you're more of a skeptical person, I think you and I have that trait alike a sort of this disdain sometimes yeah. for authority. And, um, you know, that can really, really add to it's it. It's a
1: rush, man. Just disobeying the rules. Fuck, will I get caught? Can I do this? Turns do you- out I can, but will there be repercussions? <laughs> <laughs> do you drink nowadays at all? Nah, never have. Uh, really? What 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 sort of spurred <clears throat> that on? I uh, Initially, I decided I would wait till I was 18 mm. just for my brain, which I think is a fairly logical thing that a lot of people do. Um, and then I just saw what it did to my friends. And I saw, I saw it not necessarily change who they are as people, but I, I saw it change their, their perspective on life and their drive. Hmm. Like in the, sense, I kind of explained it as, I don't do heroin because from what I've seen, when you do heroin, fuck it's good (laughs) like there's nothing when you do heroin it's like why would i go to work why would i get on stage why would i play the guitar when i can do fucking heroin which is way better yeah and and i saw that with a less much much lesser effect with alcohol and stuff i just i don't know my my view of it now is it's all i want to do is comedy i want to be the best stand-up comedian i can be and the most successful i can be because i love it and alcohol might not hurt me, but it's definitely not going to help. Mm. Yeah, I haven't drunk for. I only had... stand to lose something, I guess. So it it's it either it either will do nothing for me, or it could really hurt me. Yeah. So fuck that.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't really drunk much for about eighteen months. Mm. I just don't like. I've had I had um, you know gut related issues to do yeah. with like bacteria, and um, it meant that I wasn't allowed to drink for a while. Mm. But I just. I feel so much better when I don't drink. I just and really don't and, enjoy and it. And
1: again, uh, what really solidified it for me, because there's always the curiosity of, oh, what is it even like? I don't even know what it's like to be drunk. I know what it tastes like. I've had sips. I've never had a full drink. Every single time I tell someone more successful than me, whether they drink or not, they go, good, keep, stay sober. I fucking wish I did that. Huh. Stay that way. And these are people I look up to who are, three times more successful than me and if they're telling me stay the path it must be right yeah and i've also heard the same from people who were more successful than me and fucked it usually through drugs and alcohol yeah
0: i I think i think they're right in saying that i think it just adds
1: it, it sort of just dulls you doesn't it and particularly if you know, there's, there's a certain well, element when it's you- It's like, be- I, and I see I see other comedians, comedians especially, well, I'm obviously around them all the time. I see other comedians go like, um, you know, they'll drink and, and drinking, it doesn't just wipe out the night that you drink. It wipes out the whole morning. Sometimes if you drink hard the next day entirely, mm. it's- it's you know yeah, and, and it's a lot of it's money which you could use to put to this or put to that and uh and it's time. And I feel like I would much rather waste my life fucking painting orange uniforms <laughs> than sitting in bed with a hangover watching Netflix. Painting space orcs. Ooh. Yeah, I I agree with that. I
0: think that um it's just sort of where you want to allocate your resources, your time, your money.
1: That's all it um, is, is is where where's your time going what yeah. are you interested in because alcohol is not an interest yeah
0: you know it's 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 a form of hedonism i guess
1: yeah and i don't judge people who do this is yeah. probably, probably came across <laughs> as quite cunty uh but yeah I, I i don't think i'm better than anybody but i just i just realized that there's a lot there's a lot of things in my life that are more important than than having more fun on a night out because i have fun yeah Well,
0: it just goes to show how switched on you are. Like you've realized what is it the thing that I want? What are the things that I need to do or don't do? That's the biggest thing is like so many people don't realize what are the things I should not do? What should I not be focusing on? I know I'm guilty of that when it comes to what we do with our business is uh, because I'm open and creative, I can often look for a new shiny thing but I, I constantly have to remind myself.
1: Of I have it. that problem too yeah. of like, oh, I'm doing this, now I'm doing that, now I'm doing this, oh, fuck, now exactly. I'm doing 30 things and I'm burnt out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly right. Like that was,
0: yeah, It's that's been a big issue for me but I, I've sort of learned that slowly over the last mm. two years in particular. Um, you spoke about your mum before. Yep. I'm curious as you were growing up from, from either of your parents, is there a, a partic- particular lesson that you hold with you today that they may have taught you directly or indirectly at all
1: work ethic man fucking work hard work we don't have money Mm -hmm. we didn't come from money even now my parents work really really hard we don't i don't know middle class maybe but they started out poor poor so my mum, uh my mom grew up with her mom as a, and, and my grandma was a single mom in that time. Wow. With no man. He fucked off, left her with kids. Um, I don't know who that guy is. And uh, my, my grandma worked as a receptionist, learnt shorthand and just worked and put her kids through high school. Two, two kids, three kids, sorry. <laughs> wow. Um, and, then, and then my mom... She started up a hair salon, left school, started up her own business at 19, her own shop, and uh, she still runs it. She now works from home, but wow. she's still a hairdresser. She's 50-something. My dad used to run his own carpentry business, but then it got too hard and now he works as an employee. Um, and the, the main thing I remember from when I was a child is hanging out in mum's shop and seeing her with employees and seeing how hard she worked and seeing her there before the employees thereafter and then also staying at after-school care, waiting for my dad to come home, to come to after-school care to pick me up because he was dealing with his employees and his houses and his projects. So, I think the main thing, and that's what mum, mum and dad always told me, life is hard, you need to work hard.
0: Yeah, I think it's so fascinating to, to hear from every guest about those lessons that they learn from their parents, I always sort of relate to the sort of stories that you speak about. Like I remember the years my my parents owned like a manufacturing business and the years of them taking me, uh, whether it was during school holiday programs or whatever, just to sit in the office for a few hours because Mm. the school holiday program finished and they still needed to work. And I used to just wander through the factory, which you couldn't do nowadays. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I always say to people that like at the age of 15, I knew how to run one of the printing machines (laughs) that they had in a way. Um, But it's it's interesting because you just sort of, you learn by watching.
1: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, yeah, I think that's what, pick something you love and you can, I work, I reckon I work 18 hours a day Mm. and it doesn't feel like it. I sleep six hours, I get up at six, I go to gym and then I go until... Midnight is usually when I get home from performing stand-up.
0: And you, do you have a day off at all during the
1: week? Uh, I generally have Saturday off and I spend that with my girl, which is great. Uh, and then I have half of Sunday, but Sunday night I'm on radio. Okay. Yeah, that's super interesting. And you don't feel exhausted at all? No. No? No, I love you it. you just love it. I, well, I've been... A lot of people go, oh, how do you fucking sleep six hours? And I go, I don't know. <laughs> my, one of my favorite Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> quotes is... If you think you can't sleep six hours a day, and you need eight, just sleep faster. <laughs> 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 which is so funny. Arnie would say that, wouldn't? Yeah. He? So some. So sometimes, you know, I don't. Sometimes, if I do feel t- like I look after myself. Basically, I yeah. try to. I eat. I eat properly. I make sure that I feed my body properly, which is something that I've always struggled with. Because some. Because sometimes I just didn't. I just not eating is my problem. I would mm. just not eat food at all um but now I'm now I'm looking after my body I'm eating right I don't drink I don't do drugs I I try to stay away from sugar where possible which it's almost fucking impossible now um and uh I make sure that I sleep and wake up at the same time every day and I feel great I'm doing what I love yeah. it's awesome
0: and you wake up at 6 as well on on your day off on Saturday Uh
1: no sometimes I sleep in a a, a little bit because my my girl's not a morning person <laughs> She's a, she's a night owl Like yeah. I'll, I'll get It'll be like fucking 12.30am She'll be like Oh why are you tired And I'll wait Because it's fucking midnight That's why I'm tired
0: <laughs> oh, That is that is something I need to get better at Although in but
1: the But then last... in the morning I'll do the same thing I'm like It's fucking 6.30 Why aren't you awake She'll go Because it's fucking 6.30 <laughs> um, On Facebook, beef I, I did my
0: own little analysis I know um, mm-hmm. You've gone through this stuff a lot I think I actually found out about Facebook, uh, Face Beef through Tristan Parker. You mm-hmm. went to McKinnon, right? Yeah. McKinnon High, yeah. So, I, I grew up around uh, the Bentley Brighton area. Mm. So, I knew all about it. I think at the time, you didn't realize you were making comedy. I th- feel like you said that. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think in a, in a smart decision, you said, I'm going to move away from this stuff because I want to do more mainstream stuff. Um,
1: I wouldn't say mainstream. I, that wasn't the reason why. Yeah. If I wanted to do mainstream I would have quit internet and just started fucking sucking dick around the festival thing and trying to get on TV and that never wanted to be mainstream. I just think I realized that I wanted to do stand up and I and and That's the people right. I was working with didn't want to do stand up. Yeah. And so it was just kind of a logical thing where you know, I just left and did my own thing. It was very amicable and and uh and it worked out. What did you learn
0: in particular from that period?
1: I learned to stand up for what you believe in. And uh, I learned just if (laughs) it doesn't matter how much the world can fight against you or make fun of you or have a go at you, if you just stand up for it and go, yeah, that's what I said, like, what what are they going to do? Like we had media against us, we had people against us, we were the whole fucking world was going, "What are you doing?" And we just went, "Oh, we're doing this, and then they would go, "You're doing this and then we'd go, "Yeah, <laughs> and then what what are you going to send us to jail <laughs> Nothing happens well if 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 people yeah, nothing happens
0: well, what I found so interesting about it is See, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan. I like listening to Jordan Peterson speak. Yeah. Um, and I've gotten into psychology a lot, in particular, in the last six months.
1: I love him. I'm mm. going to see him when he comes to Melbourne. Yeah. we have well, got we're tickets. We're
0: trying to get... Um, in, we've been speaking to Dave Rubin and um, Jordan's team about getting an interview done. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, they, they just released tickets on Friday, I think. Mm. Um, uh, he speaks a lot about these Jungian archetypes. Mm-hmm. Carl Jung. And uh, I've read a bit of Jung, and the one archetype that I feel like you embody, say more than most comedians, uh, internet comedians, is this sort of the trickster. You know, like, and he talks about the the thing like the foxes or the court jesters in stories and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. And and what I really like about it is he highlights that they sort of they're sort of beneath contempt because they're willing to point out shit that's obvious but people aren't willing to say in society yeah and and like i said i feel like you in particular have really focused on that like some of the things that you've gotten involved in are are just are brilliant like they're really 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 funny <laughs> to, to think that people would be tricked into these situations so i wanted to start with the example of mm-hmm. a current affair yeah. and jasmine frost yeah <laughs> yeah can you explain that for people who haven't heard about it before
1: Uh, So, a very brief thing is uh, basically back in face beef days. I was always a big fan of The Chaser. And uh, I would like religiously watch The Chaser's War and everything. And uh, what I'd listen to the commentary multiple times, I was obsessed with it, right? That was when I was like, fuck, I didn't even know you could do that. They would just always fuck with the media. They would always shit stir. They'd do vox pops and mess with people and just do... Just do outrageous things, with, but without doing it in like in a in a mean way or in a look at me, I'm retarded, like it, it, it always in a ve- always always in a very like sly trickster way of of I'm making myself look stupid but in reality you look worse <laughs> because you fucking believed me that kind of thing. Yeah. Um and one thing they always had an ongoing feud with today tonight and the current affair they're always having back and forth making fun of them and I knew the one thing that they never managed to do which they had, they they said a few times that they always tried to do was was get a fake story on a current affair and and I always thought I'm going to fucking do that. I'd love to do that. Uh, and then, anyway, one day the, the opportunity arose. A Current Affair uh, saw all the shit we were doing with Face Beef and uh, they wanted to do an interview with me. And uh, I thought, well, here's, here's my chance. And we, we set up, this wasn't just me, this is all of us. We set up, uh, basically, we got my girl, Jasmine, uh, to go to A Current Affair and say, I'm a model. Uh, and uh, these boys bullied me so badly that I had to quit modeling. And uh, then they came to us and said, "Did you do this?" And we were like, "Fuck yeah, we did." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I ended up doing an interview with The Current Affair. Uh, they actually ended up getting getting a bit sus because it was a little, it was almost, it was a little bit too easy. We we had two chances, right? Yeah. They got a little bit sus, uh, and they ended up. They never ended up calling us out on it. I did the interview. I said, "Yep, that's me." I made. I did the whole bad guy thing. Uh, and the, but they never ran the story. They just kind of kept it in the vault. And then uh, we thought, oh, well, that's it. That's the end of that. But then a few months later, Today Tonight came around and they did the same thing. And we did, the, we did the same thing, but a lot more sly. And we hid all of the things that we thought may have slipped us up the first time. And then Today Tonight ended up running the same story. Um with, with you know, the the beautiful girl who's been bullied by these evil people and then we did a, a video of me and, uh, and Jazz in in the room uh, and me calling her a stupid bitch and then she popped up from under the desk <laughs> and she was like, yeah, she's a fucking idiot.
0: Oh man, it, it is so good and this isn't, the other example is Triple J as well. <laughs> yeah, that so, was a fun one. So, can you just get into that?
1: Well. So, Triple J, Hack, uh, and what's really funny is now that I work in radio, I'm probably going to meet all these people, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. So, Triple J, Hack, they, they're they like an investigative thing where I don't even listen to it. Is it once a week? Do you know? Um, I think Hack is every night at like 6 p.m. or something like okay. that. Okay. Every night at 6 p.m. They run- Tom Tilly tom tilly and whoever the fuck else run like a today we're going to talk about this for however i know nothing about it right all i know is that they're journalists and i i'm like oh fuck with them for a meme <laughs> uh so basically uh one of their journos who work on the show said we want to talk about step-sibling romance uh so <laughs> if you're someone who's fallen in love with your step-sibling uh, here's the email, send us, send us through and we'd love to talk to you. So I sent them an email and I was like, yep, that's me. Uh, and I sent them an email just saying how I was in love with my step uh, sister, all this kind of stuff. And they interviewed me and they played sad music and I talked about how hard it is to love someone who, who you're not allowed to and all this kind of shit. They put it to air, big sob story. And then I made a video <laughs> revealing, obviously, that it was me. And I think down uh, there's also there's been so many examples of that there's been radio tv i think i may have been in about eight news written news articles just illegitimately like as a victim of bike thieves and uh, and this and that i can hardly even remember them and somewhere in my room i have cutouts of all of the newspaper things in that box it looks like i'm some kind of like serial murderer from that scene with all the news clippings, <laughs> you're, the way I look at it is that you're sort of
0: like a real life uh, media watch, like because Media Watch had covered both cases.
1: Well Yeah, what's funny? <laughs> I've actually got quite a close relationship with the people at Media Watch, just really? because. Well, they they know. Like I remember when we, when the first A Current Affair thing that fell through came on, I sent them an email out of blue and I said, uh, "Hey, watch A Current Affair tonight," and they were like, "Why? What's going on?" And I just said, "Watch it," and then it never aired. Uh, And then, uh, and then when Today Tonight came around, sent them another email. Hey, watch Today Tonight. They were like, okay. (laughs) And and then uh, that media watch thing happened, and we did interviews with them and talked to them. And then when Triple J did the thing, I just sent them email. Hey, listen to Hack. They're like, all right. (laughs) And uh, you know, every every now and then I'll send them an email, and be like, hey, check this out. This is this is unreal. Uh, I feel like you.
0: You've got to do more of it. The- I wish you would, ha- would do more of this stuff because it, it well, is... Well, I do
1: want to do more. I've been focusing really, really hard on stand-up comedy because that's yeah. my main passion and everything. But I would say that the last, the last time... I haven't tried to, to cause a controversy. The last time I tried to do it was when I went to the anti-vaccine rally. Um, and did a did a vox pop with a microphone. That, that was, was the la- last time where I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna cause a shitstorm." And then probably before that was Stop World Vegan Day. That was fucking brilliant, dude.
0: I that is another thing is I uh, wish you'd do more of that.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I want to get back into. So, my the last eighteen months for me have been um, nuts. Yeah, crazy, and it's been all about the stand up comedy thing and setting up and and I suppose leveling up from production to stand up to to everything like we in the last 18 months i launched a crowd fund to do a comedy special which i then did and then released independently um so that ruined my life and then during while that was happening we got the radio show out of nowhere we weren't planning to have it but i was like oh yeah i can do both (laughs) that ruined my life and then organized a tour and and while also trying to maintain the online thing but now all of that's done and i really just want to be um a bit of a cunt again <laughs> i think i
0: think if you can sort of build up some production infrastructure mm. then that sort of stuff you'll just be able to churn it out
1: well that's what i've done now now all the, you know we've i've i've got a big philosophy of just throwing money back into the hole um so whenever i make money it just goes in the hole and i make it better and i'm at a point now where i where where I'm working out of a... I've built a little video production studio in a warehouse. I've got an editor twice a week um, and I have enough money to get me through to the next tour to feed myself. So, all I want to do is just make shit and do shit. Mm. Whereas before, I haven't because I've been... All these new projects have come out of nowhere and it's been a big learning curve for a lot of things at once. This whole trickster attitude, have you... You've always had this, right? Oh, yeah. Always. Like, sit... For as long as I can remember I I was just like I remember in in grade 2 I I was moved classes because I because I just worked the teacher out I, and she but they, but but she never worked me out I remember it was Miss Lisman. she was an older she might have been like 50 or 60 and and I was I just worked out how to push her buttons and I and I worked out that on on no in this class you don't control me. I control your mood. Like you tell me where to sit and wh- which corner to look at when I misbehave, but I control your day. <laughs> like when you go home and I, I think I, which maybe I'm a sociopath, I don't know. Um, but I remember I was given a stress ball because I thought I had anger issues. And I remember having the ball and I was like, and I, I squeezed the ball and I was like, oh well, maybe I am angry and I squeezed the ball and I was like, this is boring. And then I didn't have i don't know they just didn't know what to do with me and i got moved around and then in grade three i got a a male teacher um which which i asked for was because i literally had a meeting with the principal and they were like what do you want (laughs) and i was like grade two going into grade three and they were sitting me down like i was some fucking dude who has hostages in the back like (laughs) what do you want from us anything (laughs) And I, and I think I was like, oh, I don't know. I'm not having fun with the, the women teachers. I think I need a, a, a male. Uh, and, uh, and that straightened me out a little bit, mm-hmm. having, having like a, a male teacher who I think he, the teacher that I had un- understood how to channel my energy. And he started putting me in performer roles and he kind of let me fuck around in class a little bit. But then was like, you can do that, but you have to do this. Mm. And like, I got to be Austin Powers in the, in the school play, which I fucking loved. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and then in exchange for that, I did my fucking math. It, it's interesting how you sort of
0: realized though at that early age, the ability to, to control someone's psychology
1: through the interactions that you had. Yeah, I don't think it was very conscious, but looking, no. back, looking back on it, I think that's what... It was sort of innate. Yeah, I guess so. And and also even th- straight through to high school, I would always have, um, I, I, I kind of worked out and the teachers worked out that I worked this out as well. I worked out how to shit stir enough to disrupt and to get a kick, but never enough to get in trouble like never and like if you like if you threw a brick at the teacher yeah, they'd be yeah. like you're expelled yeah. you're a fuckhead but but if if you were in math class and you and you started shaking the floor with your right leg just enough so that the the lockers started to jingle and the locks made annoying noises and you weren't stamping so there was no noise and no one could tell who was doing it that that you wouldn't get in trouble for that <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what i used to do although
0: sometimes i would I remember there's a few occasions where I did take it too far. I remember in year 9 and 10, I was in detention like every week for something. Like being late or... I remember I was one of the first people to be in detention for being consecutively days late, which my Mm. partner will hate listening to right now because she fucking hates it. It's one of my worst traits. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's, it's always interesting looking back on that stuff. If you think about... well. I got thinking about this sort of tricks the attitude that you have uh, as well on a lot of your shows. It, it speaks about talking about dark and dangerous material. Yeah. Um, you've, you're the guy who I think often challenges when something is too soon, like the dream world <laughs> joke. Yes. Or where the line is, I think more than most. Mm. So, have you sort of defined in your mind, like what is your
1: comedic principles? What What is sort of shapes your comedy my favorite absolute favorite audience reaction is 70 30 where 70 percent of the crowd is fucking pissing themselves hitting their mates and 30 percent of the crowd is going oh (laughs) i don't know about that one but but throughout the show that 70 30 happens to different people so, it wouldn't be 30% of the crowd the entire night going, yeah. oh, this isn't for me, because the next one will turn them into the 70. But then the person who was laughing at the one before that might be going, oh, I don't know about, I like the one before, but I don't know about this one. That's my favorite, is, is, is I suppose challenging what people, it's not even, you know what it is, it's not even if you're allowed to laugh at it, it's if you will let yourself laugh at it. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to laugh at anything. Like if you laugh at something, no one's going to be like, "Oh, sorry, mate, that one was illegal." It's all in <laughs> your own head, yeah. whether or not you're allowed to laugh at something. Well, you that... you, you decide not to. But that's my 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 favourite is is challenging people's uh, ideas of, of what they will let themselves laugh at. I suppose. What What do you think isn't isn't out of bounds? Like, where do you sort of um, where do you draw lines? I don't. I I don't really draw lines. I would say that that I whatever I'm doing my my intention there's never there's no rules with what subjects, what people. My rule is with the intention. I never want to make a joke with the intention to hurt or the intention to to make someone feel bad. My intention always must be and always is I want to make you laugh because I think this is funny and I think I can make you believe that too so i don't ever i don't i don't ever and i don't think i ever have uh been mean spirited maybe once or twice but 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 generally never on stage i don't ever want to be mean yeah you're not specifically mean to a certain person no yeah and i and i always and i suppose there's other little rules like i always i try to provide a little bit of balance like if if like if if i if i have a joke about religion I'd love to sneak in a shot at Atheist somewhere in there as well. Like I don't have I I suppose I don't uh, really have I don't want my stuff to be preachy. Mm. But that's more of a personal taste thing. Some people love that going to a show where a guy says, "Oh, yeah, I already agreed with that before I got here, but fuck, it's good to hear him say it in a different <laughs> way." But I don't really I don't want I don't really get around that too much. I just want to make people laugh. And uh I I think it's Fucking hilarious to talk about shit that no, that everyone else is too scared to touch. Yeah, I think I think that's what
0: a lot of comedians have in common. Some more so than others. Um, with, with when it comes to ideas, because you you cover a lot of topics, yeah. particularly on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously a lot of that, this is focused on general things in society. Mm-hmm. But I'm just curious as to are there any particular leaders or people that you like to? explore ideas from you know we're talking about jordan peterson before yeah that's someone that i like to i really
1: like i like really like jordan peterson because i feel like the philosophy that he that he talks about and the things he talk about are just so applicable to the real world and to your life like today you know like every time every time i listen to him i feel like i walk away with something that i could do right now if i wanted to you know, whether it's fucking cleaning my room or, or, or thinking about something in a different way. Um, because I I've, I always... I hated philosophy. I always did. Because I was like, well, who gives a fuck why or how? You know, I can't do anything with that other than be like, oh, I studied this cunt with a fucking long name. Cool, bro. You work in construction. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or you know, whatever. Like, uh, I never got around that because I always... I always my problem with philosophy was these are all ideas and concepts but i can't apply them and i can't do something anything with it other than talk about it with other people who understand it mm. whereas i feel like i suppose jordan peterson i guess it's probably all the same ideas that are being talked about but he he manages to take those giant massive concepts that have been invented by masters of the art and then just brought it, not not really simplified it, but turned it into a way that you can actually apply it. Yeah. And I also, suppose. but understand it as well. Like, I, I feel like uh, Friendly Geordie's said this a while
0: ago on his uh, self-improvement channel. Yeah. Was that Jordan Peterson is just repeating what self-improvement types have said for years, except that he's added a little sprinkle of psychology, biology and condensed it down in a way that's a bit more I think rational. so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say... I would agree with that. And that's that's why I like it because it's just... I don't... It just makes sense. Mm. Um, and then as, in terms of other people that I really like... Um, I fucking love Kevin Hart. <laughs> Not so much his comedy. I don't think he's a bad comedian, but I don't think he's making comedy for me. Um, which is fine. But I love his work ethic, how hard he's worked, everything that he's set up. And then also... Probably my my biggest inspiration uh, f- creatively and business-wise would be Cursor. Cursor, um, really? Yeah, who's who I'm lucky enough to be quite good friends with and to call a friend. Wow. Um, and why is that? He's the biggest independent musician in Australia. He's done it all himself from starting online in a field that did not accept him, wouldn't give him anything. And he has built the biggest independent empire in rap that australia's ever seen he's got a publishing a distribution deal sorry with fucking warner brothers <laughs> through his own label and he's signed his his friends and his peers really and he does his own tour once a year he releases music more consistently than any other rap artist in the country for probably ever since i found out about him in 2012 he is regardless of what you think Of his music. A lot of people when I talk about Cursor go, oh, he's just that fucking idiot who says Cursor is the sickest in a car park. (laughs) It's like, yeah, he is. But also, regardless of what you think of his music and whether or not you like the sound that he produces, he's the most consistent artist that Australia has seen in rap fucking ever. And he's built an empire by himself with no mainstream media support at all. Mm. Still even though he's probably our most successful individual rap artist we have. And, uh, like, there's nothing you can say anymore. He's fucking done it. He's at the top and he's also stayed at the top, I think, for the last three years. It's so funny. The first thing you type when you see when you type Cursor is Mm -hmm. uh, Net Worth after that. But I I had no idea that he had his own label. Yep. uh, It was a couple of years ago, I believe, that uh, it all got set up. Because uh, before that, he was with Obese Records, which was a little distribution company that's, I don't think, so is around anymore. So, does he have everyone like 360, Seth Century, all those types signed up? No, no. He doesn't no. have them. No, he's, uh, he's got more people that are from the same background as him. So, Rates, right. who's his brother. He's also got JUF. Um, and I would I don't, don't want to speak on his business, but I would imagine he's looking at other people. Yeah. So, it's ABK Records, yeah? Yes.
0: Interesting. That's super fascinating. Yeah, I would and, never have guessed that.
1: Uh, yeah, and 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 just, I I suppose I connect with him just because of the pushback that he's received from mainstream media, um, as well as breaking new ground, being himself. The way I the way I explain it is a lot of people talk shit about Cursor in a way where they'll say, "Oh, he's just he's from." the fucking western suburbs and he's just a drug addict and he just does this and he that or he's fucking crude or whatever but all of those same things are what people fucking love hearing from rap the only difference is it's coming out of a, a black american dude yeah and it's like it's like you're saying the same things that racists in texas say about rap (laughs) it's like oh it's just drug addicts from housing commission talking about killing people it's like yeah dude that's rap (laughs) why do you think that is here in australia i've always wondered that like a lot of
0: people say oh i love rap but they don't like aussie rap i mean some of which i
1: don't understand i I don't never understood i don't get like if you like rap what like a big part of rap is hearing about places that you you yourself has walked what's a story yeah well, like love- what's better than fucking listening to rap and hearing a suburb and being like, fucking, I've been there. We used to have this group and it was it was with a former guest as well, my old
0: work, uh, yeah. MJ. And he'll be listening to this episode as well. And we used to have this group where we spoke about rap. Yeah. And uh, we'd email each other each week. It was sort of someone's, I think someone selected a song that they'd suggest. Yeah. And so I was
1: really so rap book club you figured out the sort on, of. like that's that's probably the lamest <laughs> you could ever make rap <laughs> yeah. but it was, but it was like i
0: i honestly think he was doing it because we had uh another former guest, Tender McFly, who's a spoken mm-hmm. word poet, uh who's very, very good at his selection of music and yeah, I don't know he just wanted fresh new music or whatever mm. and um I would sol- I selected a few Aussie rap songs first like um. The Children Came Back by... Uh, what's his name? Biggs. What's his name? Uh, the Aboriginal rapper. Oh, Briggs. Briggs. Yeah. Um, and everyone was like, oh, I don't know. But they were all selecting like your classic like trap music type rap.
1: I'd say Briggs is very fucking similar in subject and tone. I don't listen to much of his stuff. Um, but from what I've heard, it seems it seems like the archetype of rap.
0: Yeah, like Like, it was a good story. Yeah. And it was a song with uh, Gurumul, who's like a brilliant, brilliant Mm. singer. And I just, I really enjoyed the lyrics and uh, I thought it was a good story. And they're like, oh, no, no. Yeah, I think
1: Australian rappers dealt with a lot of that. It's like, if it's not... Australian rap seems to be the only acceptable form of it is that Triple J shit where it's not even, it's not a rap song. What it is, is a rapper... Buys a hook, they buy a chorus, yeah. and then they fill in the blanks like it's a colouring book with rap when the chorus is not playing. <laughs> and I fucking hate that so much. And you can, it's so transparent. <laughs> I won't say names, but just about every fucking male rapper Triple J has played for the last eight years has just been some cunt with a girl who has a unique, weird voice singing about something and that's the actual part of the song that people like. And well, then the guy fills it with uh sixteen bars where he says a lot of words but actually says nothing. The thing now is um is sort of that, but they're just replacing
0: it with electronic music, mm-hmm. like house music or something. Now kind. there's not
1: even a fucking chorus. It's yeah. just
0: noises that sounds like a chorus. <laughs> I um, sound like an old man. <laughs> that's
1: not music.
0: <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> Um When it comes to comedians, like who if you were to put together a Franken-comedian, who would you select? Let's say your top three or four.
1: Okay. Uh, Leno and Woodley. I, oh, love. Okay. I love their silly physical humor. I fucking love silly physical humor. Um, Bill Burr. <laughs> I love ranty, yelly shit. <laughs> Jim Jeffries. I love saying cunt. Yeah. Uh And uh Yeah, I'd say I'd say those well that's four people, isn't it? One of them's a duo. Yeah. That's what I that's what I love. I love silly physical stuff. I love yelly ranty and I love vulgar and dangerous. Yeah. That's that's my shit. Like I had a what I've really been playing with in my own act is stuff that I haven't personally seen before. I'm sure it's out there, but I haven't discovered anyone who seems to be the, the person who does that. I've really been playing with combining silly physical with fucked up and heinous. <laughs> like I did in my comedy special. I do this 10-minute bit about uh, in the dark ages, I read an article of how they used to um, punish gay people for being gay. It was different for men and women. Men, they kill you straight away. Women they would first offense they chop your left arm off second offense they chop your other arm off third offense they kill you and eventually in the joke i get down to this bit where i'm like that if they have rules for three offenses that means that that there's a precedent so this has happened a few times before meaning somewhere out there there must be like a secret clubhouse full of amputee lesbians (laughs) fucking each other and I put my hands in my t-shirt, so I've got no arms, and I just act out what, how the fuck, a, a lesbian from the Dark Ages would have sex with a woman who also has no arms. Ah, oh, that is so good. I love that you've thought about that. This is what's so good about comedy,
0: is like people really like just highlight the the ridiculousness of the situation. Well, it's
1: it's so funny that like that if there's. Like, if there's three, and kind of the other joke is like, if they, I, I won't, I won't, I won't ruin it, but like, if, if you're in the dark ages and you're a gay woman, obviously you're, you're in the closet. You wouldn't tell anybody. But if you saw a woman walking in the street with her husband and she's only got one arm. You know, hang on a minute. (laughs) It's sort of like Tinder in the Dark Ages. Yeah, right? It's like, oh, she's either she's either like works in construction or or she's a bit of a fucking muff diver. We could be on here. Big risk, but but will it pay off? (laughs) Oh fuck me. That is good. Um I wanted to get a bit
0: into your brand and the business of comedy. Now I think you've, you've mentioned before crowdsourcing your own specials. Yeah. Um, you sort of drive a lot of what you do yourself. You're not regularly sort of jumping to going to mainstream brands or, mm. you know, necessarily doing TV or whatever. So, I feel like you're one of the more creator-driven comedians around in Australia. Um, each year, your shows get bigger and better. I know you clearly value your followers, I think. Mm-hmm. A really good example of that was was your warehouse studio flooding, and you just <laughs> keep going on with the show, as you said, yeah, but how do you sort of view the brand of Lewis Spears? What is it?
1: I think that it's that at its core it's a fair exchange of you you give me your attention, which is and your which is so valuable, especially there's so much shit out there mm you give me your attention and your time and i'll fucking make your day that's that's to to me that on it on the base level that's the exchange that i'm trying to create is is i'm worth your time um and and the the main so i kind of i do a lot of shit and i kind of rank it in importance to to me and the value that i deliver to the people who like me mm-hmm. because at the end of the day I'm backed up by nothing. We have a radio show now, but it's once a week on Sunday nights and we make $200. And that could go like that. We're doing it because it's fun and we have the time to do it. Whatever. Number one is my stand-up. Mm. I, want, I, I perform, I put more effort into stand-up than, than anything else that I do, which is kind of frustrating because it's the least... That people see because it's not online. <laughs> yeah. the, except for my comedy special, thank fuck. Now you can actually watch an hour of my show and see what it is. Um, so I so I try to be as good as I can be. I gig. Um, I, I basically I try to be the hardest working comedian that I know, and uh, I th- I think I'm there. Mm. I, at least out of the people that I've met, I feel like anyone working harder than me is in America doing it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, um, and,
0: and you've, you've got stand up you've got the YouTube channel
1: stand up's number one uh, and I put the most effort into that I want whatever you enjoy from me my stand up's three times better yeah and I can guarantee that I know that is true because I've seen the people and I've seen how much work I put into it compared to the other stuff yeah so stand up's number one uh, and then there's my podcast which I do once a week uh, I've got my videos which I do once a week trying to m- work up to twice a week um we have the radio show now which is once a week um and then yeah there's just just everything that i'm doing i'm trying to make it as good as it can be yeah and yeah. as as honest as well I, th- I think that's a that's a really big thing that i made a rule and that i think has really paid off for me is uh i just i just i'll tell people how much money i make mm. i'll tell people exactly what stage that i'm at um because especially on my podcast is kind of where that really comes out is if you listen to my, my thing, if you like when it first started out, I, I'm pretty sure I still had a job and I was just talking about how much I hated it. And then I told people when I left and then I told people how much money I'm paying myself a week, uh, which was 200 bucks at the start. And then when a week. I, yeah. Wow. And I lived off that and I bought nothing except for food. Wow. And maybe a t-shirt, <laughs> uh, And then, you know, and then I started making more money and I gave myself a raise and I was like, hey guys, I make 300 bucks a week now. How fucking sick is that? (laughs) I used to make 900 at the call center, but I was sad as fuck. This is awesome. (sighs) That is so good. And, uh, yeah. So, so I just, just honesty of, of what I'm every year at the start of the year, I write down my goals and I go, this is what i get, want to get done. And then every year at the end of the year, I go through and I go, this is what I did and this is what I failed. Hmm. And you you sort of actually analyze that like you do like a full on review, yeah, wow. yeah, so so I mean that that podcast will be coming up in a couple of weeks and you have a look at my goals, I think, um, that's awesome, yeah, it's cool. I've never heard of a comedian talking about that at all before that's well, really i think I think it just like i I builds sure- trust between. The, like like one thing that I've never heard from people who like my stuff is is that guy lied or or I felt ripped off when I bought that. Yeah. You know everything from my shows. I want to deliver value for money. Instead of doing a 55-minute show in the festival where I get on and get off and I don't meet anyone afterwards, I, I'll perform for an hour and a half, and even if it's 450 cunts I'll meet everyone until midnight. That's great. Yeah,
0: I think I think um,
1: I think that is sort of where
0: best practice is for the leading comedians in the world now i think mm. i think people like joe rogan and those types sort of show that when they talk about it themselves
1: and um, and i love it man yeah and the the only reason why i'm where i am is because the people giving me their attention which leads to them coming to a show buying a t-shirt supporting me on patreon whatever like if you know if i if i if i stopped uploading videos or i stopped doing podcasts that's it yeah. I can imagine why... And fair it, enough. I can imagine why you'd love it as well because,
0: I mean, this podcast that we do, there there might be a few thousand people that download it, but I don't get to... It's so rare to meet those people. Yeah, you and that's
1: what's fucking... Because I started online first yeah. and then I transitioned in stand-up, which is what I always wanted to do since I was 12. Yeah, I fell into the online thing. And then I was like, oh, this is comedy. I could do stand-up. And then going from... Videos getting half a million views and having thousands of nice comments to doing a show in front of seventeen people in Brisbane <laughs> in a theatre that was a hundred and fifty. Best feeling ever. Yeah,
0: it, you know? it, it's it's so true. Like you, you know, you just I'll have random people say to me, "Oh yeah, I've listened to like." Five episodes, and this is related to my other job. I've never yeah. met this person before. Like, oh yeah, that podcast. I sort of know the company yeah. you work for. I saw that you did this. P-. It's like, what the fuck?
1: Nothing's this better is than weird. the real life interview. Oh, just just uh, on the way here, there was a dude uh, who was a I don't know what he was doing, a construction worker. He had a big dirty hose. It looks like he was putting it in the ground or whatever. And uh, he was like a thirty-something-year-old dude, and he just looks at me and goes. Lewis? And I was like, yeah, man, he goes, oh, fucking, oh, no way, bro. Oh, sick. And he wiped his filthy hand off and he shook my hand. And I was like, I shouldn't have done that because now my hand's dirty. And then I shook your hand. So your hand's dirty, Fuck. right? Sorry, man. I've been wiping my face. <laughs> See, now now we're all fucking filthy. But, but, I, but I got to meet that guy, had a quick chat and I left and then he was just by himself and and i heard him cuz i had my headphones on but no music was playing i heard him going oh fuck no way <laughs> just to himself that's sick wow <laughs> and like that's the coolest shit ever to, yeah. to to i guess make someone's day like that and and the, and that to me is more real than anything any comment any amount of views any amount of money just some fucking construction worker going. Oh fuck yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> Sick not bra. I can't, I can't imagine what it's like
0: for you because you've done some pretty big shows, particularly with your last tour. Like it just must be amazing, and to have your parents. Like I know on a yeah. few of the shows, your parents come. Mm.
1: That'd be unreal. It's 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 it feels big now. Yeah, I suppose. Like we did four hundred and fifty in Brisbane. Fuck! I almost cried, man, at the end of it. Yeah, it was it was amazing and uh, That's uh it's unbelievable. just well it's it's just i mean it took a lot of time to get there the first time i went to brisbane i did like i said before i'm not joking i i booked a 150 seater and i sold 17 <laughs> it was an empty room yeah um and and then 4 years later it's 450 sold out um and and every year I'm just it, it gets bigger and, and I get better as a comedian because I work harder and and I'm obviously starting at a better point of knowledge and skill um, and it's the dream man it's what I've wanted to do since I was 12 and I'm doing it and it and it, and it hasn't moved backwards yet <laughs> it could uh, but, but not yet how many people in total you reckon see you during a tour like how many tickets do you reckon you sell oh it's thousands it's in the thousands wow. now So, when I first, my first tour, it would have been like maybe 700 across Australia, about that, but now, yeah, now it's well into the thousands, and then if you count people who have downloaded my special across the world, I would say in excess of 10,000 people have seen me this year. This year? Wow. Well, since since the special came out it it's probably like the last six months maybe that is unreal I couldn't imagine that that's fucking dude <laughs> that shocks you I don't know what the fuck I'm doing that's crazy <laughs> but but that's like I'm only there because I was there at the start and I was honest with them when I sucked yeah and, and you I took t- t- man. I decided I was going to do that comedy special after my first year yeah and then I, I wrote it down in my book and I was like in two years I'm going to do it Two years went by, I was like, I'm not good enough yet. Waited another year, it happened. Mm. Yeah, and it's, it's you know, I
0: say this like, wow, but, you know, it's a slow progression for you as well. You would have had that first year where you had 17, probably the next year you've got 50, 60, then yep. how 50. It's sort of the same thing with, with anything you start. Like when we first started this podcast, we'd have like five downloads a day every second day. Yeah. We first started, no one knew who the fuck we were. Well, that's that,
1: that's uh, that's what you have to do. You just yeah. have to be shit.
0: Yeah, and you have to get good. Yeah, fast, <laughs> as fast as you can. Um, so then, the business model for you is is basically get people to the show. That's sort of the the end case. in yeah. the funnel.
1: Yeah, and that's not that's not so much to make money. That's obviously that's that that, well, is, yeah, where that, that is where I make the most money. Is yeah. people coming to shows, but uh, uh, that that's. I almost, I suppose, pretty much coincidentally, that's what I love the most. Because, mm. like, a man I would fucking hate if, if I was like some of these other YouTubers who, you know, YouTube doesn't pay as well as it used to. i got to do yeah. a fucking tour. I don't like performing. I've never done it before. So, I just sit down in a chair and take questions from fans. Oh, I'd sit down in a chair and shoot myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah,
0: well, I mean, look, you can see it now with sort of the old guard of comedians. Like, people like Hughesy, yeah, they'll still do their show, but you can sort of see now that they really prioritize and enjoy doing tv and radio more mm. because there's a less it's hard it's hard doing stand-up stand-up is not yeah. the easiest of the three i would say
1: yeah i'd say yeah stand-ups oh fucking absolutely and stand-up is by far the hardest thing that i do yeah but it's also by far the most rewarding probably because of that and obviously i love it you know Mm. I mean, smashing your face against the wall will probably be way harder, but I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, when it comes to sort of your day-to-day, we've, we've spoken about... Um... Before we get into the next question, man, I've been dying to tell someone about this. What? Today, I've been, I'm, I'm in a such a good mood today because I read <laughs> in the morning, I read an article about a woman who got mauled to death by seven sausage dogs. <laughs> <laughs> what? Dude. Isn't, isn't that like an old story? Oh, I just saw it. Seven sausage dogs killed a woman. And I think, I mean, you know, obviously that's, that's sad and she has family. But fuck, that's funny. <laughs> Seven, like, I mean, all you got to do is stand up. Seven right? sausage
0: <laughs> dogs, more lady. All wow.
1: you got to do is stand up. They're sausage dogs. How does it... Wow. How does that happen?
0: Yeah, this is uh, happened in Oklahoma.
1: Right? And they, I read about it. The fucking... The police came and then they had to kill a couple of the dogs because the dogs were like, Oi, fuck off, police. And like, I that shit is so... That shit is obviously sad. But how do you... What gets me is like, how do you do the funeral? And, and like, even if it's your mum, if that's how my mum went, at some point in the funeral, you'd probably laugh at least a little bit.
0: But how the fuck does that
1: happen? I don't know. Like, all you got to do is stand up and now they're biting your ankles instead of... Like, unless these sausage dogs, like, got on each other's shoulders and, and put their <laughs> brains together like a transformer and worked out how to operate a gun, I don't know how they did it. That is that is fucking weird, no? That is so strange. And that's what gets me. Like, at, at the funeral, I've been to a funeral. Like, where they, like uh, someone dies of a stroke. That's not funny. Right? But if someone got mauled to death by seven sausage dogs, how do you deliver the eulogy and not acknowledge at some point, oh, yeah, it's a, you know, she was nice, but I mean, all she had to do was stand up. <laughs> <laughs> that is, there's got to be something there. Like maybe
0: she fell over. Or I don't know. There's got to be something there. That is bizarre. That's
1: so fucking weird. And who has seven <laughs> sausage dogs anyway? <laughs> seven sausages. It sounds like a tongue twister. <laughs> savagely, <laughs> savage by seven sausage dogs.
0: Whoa, what am I? What's her name? Tracy. Damn it! Mm. If only it was Sally. Sally was savagely severed in half <laughs> by seven sausage dogs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fucking hell! Anyway, I said to tell someone about that. I've been thinking about it all all morning. What That
0: happened back in May.
1: Oh, really? Mm. Fuck. I could have been thinking about that for months, man. We'll, really we'll make sure
0: we link, we link the article. I think the best one was from The Sun. Yeah. Having a bit of... Like, the whole article that I was scoping out there is literally them proving that they were sausage dogs. Yes, they were actually very I saw the photos. Dogs.
1: They were like a sausage dog. It wasn't like a sausage dog on steroids. It was a fucking sausage dog with their little three-inch legs. It's bizarre. Crazy man, and you know what? Would you know that the story's in May and I've seen it because it's gone viral again? Like, imagine if your mum died in May and then six months later, cancer are just going lol, more by a sausage <laughs> dog. This is pretty funny. Like, you gotta laugh,
0: right? Oh, it'd be fucking weird, eh? Hey? I don't know how you explain that. How did she die? Oh, she was mauled to death by six sausage dogs. You, seven. Just, you don't
1: say that. You just yeah. say dogs. Yeah. Then people go and people just assume, oh man, seven pit bulls. That's horrible. At least it was quick.
0: i have got to jump into some short, fast questions for you. But before we yep. do that, quick question on process. So, mm-hmm. you've, you've got the podcast, the shows, uh, everything that sort of culminates in the show, I guess. Yeah. How often are you like writing? Like every day, y- every day, yeah, yeah.
1: So I get up at six, I eat my gruel, I go to the gym, yeah, and then uh, I have second breakfast, and I go to a cafe and uh, stand up. I write every day. I have to, and that's the first thing I write because stand up's the most important thing. And so, whatever my ideas, they go through. Is this a stand up joke? Yes, it's because it's the it's fucking hilarious. So I'll tell it on stage no maybe it's not good enough for stage it's actually a video or it's actually a podcast topic so i kind of filter it i guess through a little bit of a funnel Uh, of of the i have the i always have the idea but where does the idea go um and i write every day because i'm putting out so much shit and i have i have to (laughs) because otherwise nothing will be made and no jokes will be written of course um so i just kind of i just kind of stay on top of things i try to read not so much the news but I try to for my videos I try to understand what's going what's current in like internet culture like who's offended by this or what is this YouTuber scamming their fans or just just being aware of what's going on what's working um, and then uh, you know that's when I find shit about being mauled by sausage dogs and that <laughs> makes my day uh, <laughs> are you like trolling particular websites like Reddit or Twitter or anything nah. like that? I just try to live my life and yeah. I try to pay attention. Yeah. And I try to, especially with stand-up, videos Videos are, are pretty, are kind, not easy, but like videos come to me mm. because just from, because I genuinely enjoy internet culture. I partake in it. So, I'll see something, comment on it, whatever. Uh, stand-up, I have to do new things. Like I have to live life and experience shit that I've not done before. Like, huh. Like I started my show last year with a whole... Seven minutes on cruises and cruise ships because I fucking went on one. And I, <laughs> um, so do you have, have goals every year around things that you want to do? No, I don't, not really. I don't. I don't have goals about things. But I just. I just always try to be doing new shit. Like uh, last weekend, I did an escape room. Uh, and you know, how was that? Oh, bro, terrifying! It was a horror one. So you went in, and an escape room, if you don't know, is basically it's like a it's like a puzzle, right? But yeah. it's actually a room. So you they put you in a room, they give you a bunch of clues, you have to get out of the room by opening locks, answering puzzles, maths, fucking nerdy shit like that. This was a horror one. We had to find out who killed this woman and her baby, uh, and where's the missing husband. Uh, anyway, at some point, uh, we had to move the move a bookshelf it was on wheels and it opened up a secret door and in that door was a note and it said check her pocket and i was like oh pocket where would pockets be in the closet so i open up this closet it's empty i put my head in the closet and then from the roof above me on top of me a giant mannequin hanging from a noose dropped on top of me and i fucking screamed i've <laughs> never been that scared in my fucking life really oh yeah my girl was like it's all right it's all right <laughs> calm down and i was like what the fuck holy shit jesus and, and i almost pissed myself but the clue was in her pocket where was this oh uh, i don't know is it the one in the city on burke no nah, it was in uh it might have been in dandenong Somewhere. Because my, my partner, she's been wanting to do... It's a lot of do... fun though. Yeah. Dude, do it with your girlfriend. It's fun. Yeah, she's been wanting to do this for a while. Also, I realized great first date because you'll find out exactly the type of <laughs> bitch she is. <laughs> well, actually, this this
0: raises an interesting point. So, you don't drink. I'm not a big drinker. What do you get up to with your partner for fun other than drinking and eating?
1: Uh, well, she recently quit drinking. Okay. Um, so, she used to but she recently stopped because... Again, she came to the conclusion that she was getting nothing out of it. Um, what we do is, um, Man, we we like we play Diablo. We're pretty boring. We played we play Diablo on Xbox. Uh, she makes music, so sometimes she'll play piano while I read my book. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll sit at her house. Sometimes we'll do an escape room. She's very spontaneous. I'm not too spontaneous in terms of ah, oh, we got to do this so often she shows up at my house and she's like I'm here she'll just do that and just not tell me and and we're here I'm here now we're going here we're having dinner here and I'm like all right like I could never cheat on it yeah you know like she just shows up not that I want to but I've just realized that like the the, the day that I ever decide to cheat on her she'll be like I'm here oh my <laughs> god I'm going home you'll never see me again you Bye. know what I mean I just could never yeah yeah that's that's super interesting
0: because I've been thinking about that a lot recently, just finding more things to do. Like, I've gotten really into just doing random shit. Like, let's go try play some golf.
1: It's fun, like, man. And it's like getting good at shit. Like, I'm, at the moment, I'm trying to get really good at painting figures. And, like, I've figured <laughs> out exactly how to water down my paints and, and what makes a good edge highlight and how does dry brushing work and all this shit that's, like, <laughs> fucking useless. But as soon as I paint them, then i got to learn the rules of the game and then I can play it. Um. All right, we're going to j- jump into some short, fast questions to finish off for you. This is what you sent me in the email? This is what I sent you. You know that I didn't read that, right? Oh, I, like, I, I am absolutely you, certain that no one reads you it. You sent me an email and you said, I have at the end of the podcast, I'm going to ask you th- like some questions. You sent me 13 questions <laughs> and then you were like, I'll probably only have time for two or three. <laughs> and I was like, well, then fuck it. I'm not going to read them because I'll memorize like 10 of them. And you'll ask me the three that I forgot. It's <laughs> a good point. A good and point. why did you do them in why did you list in roman numerals too it, man it's because the uh, just do one to 13 bro
0: <laughs> the fucking the the document that i have is still in
1: uh in roman in roman numerals. Yeah. i don't know why it just is hey man it's not even an empire anymore <laughs> their stadium they haven't kept that up you don't need to keep up the number system um all right, we've we've gone through your morning routines, but I'm yeah. I'm
0: curious, what's been the best purchase under two hundred dollars?
1: Oh, definitely my Kindle, okay. for sure. Yeah. Um, which is just uh, an e-book reader. Yeah. I I loved reading, but I hated books. Heavy, turning the pages, my arms would get tired. Really? Yeah, I just don't like it. I don't. I, don't, I would always lose my page. And they take up so much space and I realized that that I enjoyed having books on my shelf more than I liked reading them. Mm. And I was like, that's a fucking ego shit. I,
0: I like, because I make a lot of notes. So, I, write, I read yep. with a pen. Mm. Um, my only problem is like, I just don't like the light that comes from the Kindles.
1: You can turn them off. Yeah? Yeah. The, the what, ki- what about the, like... That's why I like the Kindle because it's like digital ink and magnets or however the fuck it works. So, you don't feel like you're looking at a screen and it's sort of... No, nah, man. Nah. I'll get it out. It yeah. It's not a screen at all. Like, it's... um, Mine has a backlight that you can turn on or off. I just turn it off. Uh, like, you need a light to to use it. Um, I uh, sell people on Kindles all the time. Yeah. So, well, that, that raises the question of... If you had a gift a book. Yeah, that looks that looks awesome. It's dude, so fucking get one. And also, I have like 50 books on here. Yeah. And it's it's changed how I read cuz it's so light and it just fits in my pocket literally. And I can just pull it out. It doesn't feel like I'm looking at a screen. I've read one book a week for like the whole year. Wow, cuz I read
0: about a book every
1: fortnight cuz mm. I read for about an hour every night. Yeah. That's interesting. How much are they? They're like, I think you can get them for like 80 bucks for the base one, but they go up to like a hundred and something. Okay. I think the one with the touch screen is worth getting. And you can, my favorite thing about it is you can highlight passages and then you can bring them up on your computer, on your account or on the Kindle itself. And just, and so when you, when I finish a book, what I do is I, I fucking review it on Goodreads because I find that helps me remember what the book was um like somewhere out there is a fucking goodreads account with me reviewing books like it's the most embarrassing shit ever don't look it up (laughs) but it is there if you want to uh i'm gonna have to do it now it's fucked and then uh and then i look at all of the highlights of the book my favorite passages favorite moments most insightful things and then i can go back and look at them instead of having to flick through every page looking for that yellow highlighter yeah well it's just there
0: that's what i do so I, i highlight them i then go back and review it to see what notes stand out the most. I've got like, yeah. there's, there's three there right now that need to be reviewed just underneath that little block, right. black um, clock thing. Do you take the notes out of the book and write them? So, I write them as like an index at the front and then I put them into ah. like an Evernote and the Evernote is like a summary of the book and by then, yeah. I've really gotten the yeah. the ideas and the
1: thesis within the see, book. See, my Kindle does that but you probably understand it a lot more just doing it manually. Yeah. Like that, yeah. Or you're wasting your life. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, like that's what I think about. But I, then I wonder, like, shit, if I'm.
0: If you I feel enjoy like the it, process, it's not a waste. I feel like the process is what helps me remember. Yeah. Um, so a book, a book that you would gift for Christmas.
1: Uh, a book I'm going to gift for Christmas is uh, Jordan Peterson's Twelve Rules for Life. Huh. Uh, that I that I read, and uh, I think I I like I love self help books. Um. And it's just one of the most applicable how it's not even how it's not even like I don't think it's it's particularly about how to be charismatic or how to how to be happy. It's just how to live uh, in the most productive way you can, not so much productive towards work. but like it, I don't know, it just made me like the one thing that stood out for me in that book is is we as humans are so complex. That we don't fully understand ourselves. Our own minds are so smart and so complex that it doesn't even understand itself properly. Like sometimes we don't know why we do shit, mm. and and often, in, if you if if you can't understand your thoughts, or or whatever, like say say you're you're unhappy, it was like instead of thinking why am I unhappy? Why am I unhappy? Is it this? Is it that? Pay attention to your actions. So a good example is. I don't know, fucking... If you put your hand in the fire, your action is, ow, that burns. Yeah. If you... So, sometimes you'll talk to a person and you'll just find yourself thinking, oh, this guy talks bullshit. But you still do it. Like, you just pay attention to your own actions. If you get nervous when you go into this situation or if you get excited when you go into that situation, maybe you should be less over there and more over here Mm -hmm. without consciously thinking... I love to read or I love sledding or whatever the fuck. You rarely actually think that, you know what I mean? You just kind of feel a feeling and then you go, oh, this more. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think to your point about the book, it is um, is brilliant. It is a brilliant book. I, I
1: hated the first chapter. It's it's a hard, but I think it was necessary for me to understand the rest of the book. Yeah, because he 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 talks a lot in like religious metaphor and Christianity, which I was does. I didn't grow up in. Yeah, but he kind of ex- he basically the first half, the first chapter of the book sounds like religious bullshit. But I think it's just him giving the groundwork of this is how I talk and this is what I reference. So you should understand the references yeah. before you read the rest of the book.
0: I think yeah, I think as a book it is. It can be a hard read, particularly if you're not a regular reader. Like I'm a regular reader, and I even found it That's at true. times a hard read. Like I think midway, I sort of because he he does have his biases when it comes to ranting and raving about the left, which I agree with him on most points. But you sort of get the point.
1: Like yeah, he yeah, I'd say that the flaws of the book is is all maybe- the Christianity element. I ended up really loving the Christianity element because I started to understand that he wasn't exactly preaching. He was just using the best metaphors that have yeah. ever been written.
0: Yeah. <laughs> which is or, or,
1: Christianity. Or that most of his audience would know. Yes. The yeah. stories
0: that universally they may know. So, I think um, it, it is a brilliant book. It's pro- I would say that the top book I've, I've ever read is either that or um, Homo Sapiens by, uh, Sapiens by Juvenor. Noah Harari Um, and Homo Deus was pretty good but that is a brilliant book it's sort of like an anthropology sort of look at humans it's fascinating
1: another book I really like which was a fiction book I liked was It by Stephen King Ah, Uh, but that is the hardest book I've ever read in my life I gave up on it halfway through came back a year later started again it's like 750 pages or something stupid it's fucking massive but it's an amazing book and I was real proud of myself when I finished it uh, and, and the movie, then seeing the movie was incredible too. Yeah. Read the book first. Um, he's an amazing storyteller. It made me want to read every Stephen King book he's yeah. written. And I've started doing that. Really? Probably never do it. It's like 50 <laughs> books. Um, and then an, another one, a, a business book I love, which I think has really informed my philosophy on business. I read it early in my career. Very little known book. It's called The Six-Figure Musician, How to Make uh, Money in the Digital Age. And it's all about music, but I'd read it and I changed every time he said music, I just heard comedy (laughs) and it all applied. And it's all basically like, you don't make money out of music. And for me, you don't make money out of videos. That's what everyone sees. That's what most people see Uh, and watch or hear. If you're a musician, for me, it's they see my videos. I don't make any money out of videos. Um, But if you give away enough shit for free, you'll start selling tickets. You'll start selling t-shirts. Be honest with your audience. Give them something to partake in. And that's, I made Luke Kidgel read that book as well. Wow. When he first started. Um, Yeah. And I think that's the best, most applicable book I've ever fucking read in terms of business. For this this era. For this era. Yeah. Wow.
0: That's super fascinating.
1: If you're a musician or, or any kind of creative giving out shit for free, fucking read it and replace music with whatever you do. Yeah. Podcasts. Yeah. Videos. For sure. Hmm, I'm going to look
0: at that. It's um, an
1: easy read too. It's only like, it's only like 200 pages.
0: Yeah. It'll be like simple. Yeah. A lot of business books are super, super easy. Um, last question for you. If you could have a billboard anywhere in Australia, where would it be and what would it say?
1: Uh, it would be outside Crown Casino and it would just say you're not going to win. <laughs> and then it would, it would end like in the little like fine print, it would list how much their fucking fountain cost. There's a billboard actually right outside of Crown
0: on right near, where is it? Um, I think it's the bridge that just goes past where yeah. where sort of Riverside Key is. Riverside Key or Riverside Place. Yeah. Whatever that sort of um, South Bank is.
1: That's, uh, imagine if you make it and then you can just start putting up ads like that. You're not going to win. Bro, I don't know how the fuck you, people can walk in the Crown Casino and see the fountain that's like 100 meters tall and extravagant made out of marble. I don't know how you can see that fucking fountain and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to win. <laughs> it's like, dude, you're wearing Levi's jeans and you've got 20 bucks. <laughs> that That marble statue fountain is worth more than your entire family's net worth put together uh-huh. and they made it out of you and your 20 bucks. Do you know how much it's worth? Millions, I don't wow. know. It, it's a marble giant fountain. Yeah, yeah. I think you were talking about the one in the foyer, aren't right you? in the foyer, and yep. it's like it, it's like two levels of fountain, and it's like, dude, that's pokey's money. Yeah, I've seen friends. I think I think that gambling amongst people my age, twenty to twenty five, is a huge, unspoken, problem. silent problem. Yeah, especially pokies or any kind of gambling. I've I, seen. I would say the apps, the the betting on sport. Is, yeah. is my Put it
0: this way I come from a Greek family They denounced gambling for decades Like yeah. ultra Like my family's sort of politically in the middle But when it comes to money mm. Like they are ultra conservative That is a big fucking no-no Because you're yeah. basically pissing away your money for free You to, literally to, are
1: To to some fucking I've put company. I've put 50 bucks in a pokey machine Just to see what it's like and uh I lost it in not even two minutes, just pressing the button, gone, won nothing. Yeah. And I and, and I was like, fuck. But but my
0: uncle now loves to a few of my uncles love to bet mm. on football. Yeah. It's sort of like it adds a, a little vice to to something that is already a bit, you know.
1: Yeah. It's a problem. It's a it's a real big problem. I've got friends that are like well, should be very, very wealthy. Yeah, um, and they're not because of that. Because they
0: go to the tab. The tab was the thing in my day. Everyone yeah. going to the tab.
1: Yeah, now it's uh, at least in my circle. It's Crown Sports Bet and the Pokies. Yeah, it's not good.
0: It's not a good thing at all. But um. I've got, to, <laughs> I've got to jump into some more. What a more light meetings. note to
1: end the fucking podcast on! <laughs> hey guys, Crown Casino is destroying a lot of my friends' lives, and that's where I put the billboard to save them because uh, they need help. If you're listening, fucking I, see someone. I think it's good. I think it's a good message. I think it's an important one that people are slowly
0: talking about, but it's still associated with this sort of left-leaning politics element. But I think it's it is a big issue. Oh yeah. Um. So. I think people will understand that. Yeah. Uh, mate, thank you so much for coming in.
1: No worries. Thanks this for is, having me, man. This has
0: been... Um, I know I say this a lot to the people I've watched for years, but it's weird. It's, it's, it's strange, but it's fun meeting someone that you sort of grew up with yeah. watching on the internet. Um, where can people
1: find you? Where's the best place? There's for? like a... If you're down the street from my house, there's like a hill and it's a real good vantage point goes straight in, go straight into my window um, but if you don't want to see my dick the other <laughs> best place to get it would be if you want to watch my stand-up which is the best shit that I do lewspears.com slash watch yep. uh, or search Death Threats Don't Scare Me which is my comedy special we crowdfunded it it's in 4k it looks exactly like what you would see on Netflix but I say cunt way more um, and the trailer's on my, on my YouTube channel just search Lewis Spears comedy special it'll come up and it's telling you man it's fucking great and you should see it yeah it's like the one thing one of the few things i've done in my career that i've gone i couldn't have done that better social media what's the platform that you sort of what's your go-to platform i like youtube and and i like podcasts youtube and podcasts i think my podcast is one of the better things i do and my my youtube channel's coming back yeah now i finished tour and i finished with the comedy special and stuff bringing back the youtube channel so that'll be uh i got some big shit planned i want to get back and all that shit stirring and stuff um i'm very excited for when this happens yes
0: i'm going to hold you to this all right okay sweet well, look thanks so much i hope uh, this
1: whole interview could have been a hoax bro you I might know. not even be talking to me exactly I've, maybe <laughs> i've started today i've <laughs> snuck something in you're going to be in the news tomorrow Well, we'll get you back in a year and we'll hold you accountable
0: We'll see. we'll see whether
1: you've done it. All right, man. Sounds right. good. Thanks so much. No worries. Cheers.
0: See ya. Thank you for making it this far. Before you run off, we have a quick ask for you. Subscribe on your podcast app. Subscribing will give you priority access and help your fellow-minded listeners find uncommon. Or you could also share with a friend. This will go a long way in building our audience, which will help us both get further guests on the show. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube by searching Nurel, which is N-E-U-R-A-L-L-E. But until next time, thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Nurel Media. Neural Media is an effortless and affordable content production service. We help businesses save time and money by taking away the pain of producing content. If you want to grow your audience through content production, head to neural.com/media. That's com ecom media Create a quote and request a callback from me personally. If you want to learn more about the benefits of growing your audience, download our free series on how to create content at the bottom of neuralcom slash media. Listeners to this podcast receive a special 10% discount by using the promo code uncommon.